Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. And we're back with another episode of the podcast. This is episode two for the quest, Scraping the Barrel, in the adventure series of The Queen. So, our wonderful adventurous heroes in the last episode had just trudged on the wooded path on their way to Cooperford to go answer the call for assistance for a bunch of missing people and a bunch of strange spooky business. But on the road, they ran into quite the cloven-footed, mysterious, spooky, kooky thing as a couple of zombie goats came peeping out of a bush. Apparently, they were munching on some guy and left a hand behind. Uh, the party ended up clobbering some goats, made it a bit ways down the road, and they found that there was some strange farmer doing strange farmer things that weren't too kosher. Uh, ended up beating up a goat in his barn, finding out that there was a bunch of dead teenagers in strange black garb who had a bunch of weird necromancer stuff all over them. Um, the party managed to vanquish the uh, uh, the far. I don't know if vanquishing the farmer is really what happened there. I think the farmer pulled a slick fast one on everybody. Uh, ended up kind of telling half truth. Took a little bit of pride in beating the beating the snot out of the kids with a shovel. Uh, and the party decided that. Uh, as uh, some sort of repayment for his crimes, that they were going to take him back to Cooperford and send him off to the uh, to the captain of the watch in order to figure out what they're going to do with him next. Um, and so we leave the party uh, in media res on that one. So we're right back into it as the uh, old man said something cruel and brought a single teardrop to Norhill's stony little face as they kind of grab him by his uh, wrist and start pushing him forward down the road. Um, and with a kind of a grunt and a little bit of a... He doesn't seem to be putting up too much of a struggle against this. Um, but I will say, I'm going to need a perception check right off the bat. Oh my god, more goats, could it be? I hope not. 15 minus 14. Okay, so we got, we got 14, 17, and 21. And continuing the trend, 5. Okay. Uh, and so with a 21 and a 17, was it? So you two hear something as you're heading out, sort of on a little bit of a side path, because you guys kind of cut through the trees to get over to the farmyard, um, but you guys can tell pretty clearly that there's like a little bit of like a pathway that leads onto the road you were on before. So as you guys are heading off that way, with a 21 and a 17 sort of standing behind the old man and the dwarf uh, walking down the road and Klika's cartwheeling around in a circle around the gang, you two in the back hear something pretty quickly behind you and to your left. And as you two both turn quickly and look over, you see what appears to be another thing, like a thicket, a bush sort of thing, just start rustling around. But Anton, with superior eyesight, you can look and you see that the bush was separated in a way that looks exactly as if somebody with two hands had literally split the hedges open and it was big enough that somebody could look through and you saw them almost like slowly come back to a close as if somebody was just drawing curtains on it. Uh, Jarzak, you see the bushes rustling around, kind of indistinct as to what like the direction of it all was. But once you guys see that and like kind of hone in on it, you both can hear the sounds of like hurried footsteps on kind of dead leaves and, and uh, underbrush as it rushes off in the distance down that way. Continuing Anton, away from you. Anton gives a look and says we're being watched. And he kind of like, can he move toward, can he like kind of like rush toward the bush and see if he can get eye of anything else? Yeah, I mean, you look in and you spread the bush apart, and as you do, you don't see anything at all. 
No footprints, no sign of... You ain't got tracking, girl. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, that's true. I'm just Santa. <laughs> I'm oh, just oh. Santa. <laughs> you gotta have a bag of gifts. <laughs> okay. So I don't see anything as if as if it wasn't even, like, there. And so with that, yeah, it, it's as if nothing even happened at all. Could have been a hallucination for all your concern. Um, which you should be concerned. Um, with that... Yeah. Kalika try and make a survival check to find tracks, or? Yeah, do, do sure. Need... Okay. I have the proficiency, so. Mm -hmm. Looks like nothing to me. Uh, 13. Okay, so you look around, and you notice that one of the bushes that's around that little area is a big old thing of, uh, like, a blackberry bush with a whole bunch of briars kind of tangling and mangling and holding other bushes. Blackberries, got it. And so as you're looking at the blackberry bush and you look, you notice that you can't tell immediately that it's a blackberry bush, but you see all the little corks where they had been plucked off. And it looks like somebody had delicately plucked off every single one of the blackberries at a reasonable height and level, as if somebody picked through and picked all the good ones and left all the yucky, wilty, and, and rotten ones behind. And you can see like deeper in the thorns that there's definitely quite a few left behind, as if somebody selectively picked them all out of here. But as far as tracks and everything goes, no. Those bastards. I'm just sitting here, like, watching a movie, eating some blackberries. <laughs> the hell? Are you good, Ronnie? That's so I'm weird. just watching a movie! Like, Trick 2 on Blu-ray! <laughs> Get out of his swamp! I love That's this That's the part. game. But okay, so what's Klee can say about it? Uh, I guess I think probably just is comes out looking very dejected that all the good black raspberries are gone and goes back to the group. Lika strikes me as the kind of lady who would eat the rotten blackberries on there and claim that they're the better ones. <laughs> and they just haven't found their Korbach bush. <laughs> she definitely grabbed a couple and put them in her pocket just in case. They all immediately squished. Yeah. One cartwheel and it's just a black streak. <laughs> He'll just shake his head, just like, that was weird, and then head back to the group, but be kind of weary of any other watchers from bushes. Listen, Anton can't call Klika weird to her face like that. That's just no, not nice. No, not like that. Like, it's just a weird, it was just a weird situation. Like, something was there, now it's not. Klika's just got blackberry juice all over her mouth. Klika knows. Just open mouth <laughs> chewing with as many in there as possible, just spitting little seeds everywhere. Just... That was weird looking. Damn cowards, just running away instead of coming out to face me. The old man looks over at the dwarf, and he just says, he's like, can we go now? I'm getting cold. Yes, yes, walking forward towards Cooperford. He's like, what is wrong with you? Forward to Cooperford. Robot lawful good. Um, okay. So with that, the uh, party regroups and starts heading up the up the road. And as you continue this way, you can see that the path starts to get a little broader, a little bit more defined, and eventually becomes a bit of a cobbled path. Um, and as you guys continue this way, uh, you enter in through the southern path, which, um, does anybody have history? Yes. yes. No. One second. I think I actually might. Yes. All right, roll history if you wamba. Make it quick. That, that's everyone but Jarzak. Six. Who cares about the past when you you have the future to look forward to? Yikes. <laughs> I have 12. Live, laugh, love. 17. What do I know about this area? I'm sorry, so we got 17. What did Anton get? 12. 12. Okay, and what did Kalika have? Six. Okay, so Norhill's probably the only one who hears this part of it, and you've heard before that this southern half, because the uh, the town of Cooperford is separated by a big, big river, um, and the southern half of it is called the West Walk, and which I know that sounds kind of weird to say the southern half, but it wraps around the river onto the western side. But you're entering through the southern part of it. But right across the river on the northern side is the Dustfall. Uh, the Dustfall, uh, as you know, is sort of more the business district and more like the political side of it, sort of like where the things that are important happen. Whereas the West Walk is more like like uh, shanty houses and, and just like general populace living. And there's a couple of water mills out here in the Cooperage. Um, but apart from that, uh, also, actually, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 
Yeah, the West Walk is actually where the barracks are, um, which I guess you would probably maybe know that if you knew all these other things. It would just make sense in your head to think that that's over here. But the uh, manor that belongs to the mayor is in the far north part, even beyond Dustfall. So you're kind of entering on the more, I don't want to say like the very lived in section of, of the town. Um, and night has fallen, so it's already pretty late. But with that, the party heads down the cobbled streets, and we've got some pretty cliche-styled medieval houses with a lot of stonework making up the lower, house, lower halves of houses and making up like a lot of the structure with some like whitewashed uh, and, and wooden sort of structured cabins that make up for that typical kind of medieval fantasy look and building there. Um, apart from that, there are lamps on the street corners. Um, and as the temperature begins to drop, you guys can see that the, I don't wanna say the fog comes rolling in, but it's definitely starting to get a little hazy uh, as the river's kind of rushing by on uh, the center. So the farther you get into town, the harder it is to just see the general like goings on on the streets. But apart from that, there's not much going on for like people, but the buildings out here, once you start getting closer to the center, start to be more stacked on top of one another. And they start to be a little bit more like, I don't want to say it, like things are literally like packed into each other and there's sort of like alleyways connecting to houses and whatnot. So it's, it's a pretty decently sized town, all things considered. But would the party like to head directly to the uh, the, the barracks and go talk with the captain or would you guys like to do something else? I would like to talk to the captain first and foremost. Okay. Yeah. So as you guys head deeper into the West Walk, you follow one of the main roads over towards where the river is um, and hanging on what could only be described as like kind of the boardwalk over the river where you can see that there's like some secondary buildings that are uh, below this boardwalk as if like there's almost like two tiers where they're on the water's level. There's like some buildings sort of set up as if like, like there's doors into like almost like basement places down here. But on this boardwalk, there's one large building with a couple of entrances to it and some guards out and about wandering around. And this would probably be the barracks. And as you guys are walking in with the old man in tow, a couple of guards kind of come over and approach and they say, what, what seems to be the problem this evening? Uh, this uh, gentleman is responsible for the death of three local teenagers. And so with that, they look surprised, one, with what you said, but even more surprised when they hear the teenager part of it. And you can see both of their eyes kind of like, like pop into like almost out of their head. And at that point, they said, all right, let's go tell Captain Sherwell. And so with that, they go rushing in and they kind of stop with you guys outside and take a quick take back. And they're like, wait, and they rush over and grab the old guy. And they say, we really appreciate you doing this sort of thing. And they just start to rush away with him. Um, so at this point, the uh, two guys come like running back immediately and they go and they grab, they brought him back. And they immediately came back for you guys. And they're kind of like stopping. They're like, uh, would, would you like to speak on behalf of what you're, what's going on here? Sorry. They're like, we're, we're having kind of a difficult time right now, managing a lot of different things that are going on. Um, yes, I so. think you, I think you ought to hear what we have to say. Okay. And so with that, they hurry you inside and you guys come into something of like a main area, walk through past a bunch of guards where they're doing what appears to be busy work and just kind of shooting the shit, playing cards at a table and whatnot. Um, and you walk off to like a side room to sort of a nicer looking office of, of sorts. Um, and the two guards hold the man uh, by his arms and the uh, what appears to be the captain of the watch. He's a blonde man who seems to be balding pretty well on the top of his head, but he's got bright blue eyes that are kind of beady in his head. Um, and as you guys come clambering into the room, the guards say, Captain Sherwell, we've got information on the teenagers. And so at once the captain of the watch looks to you guys with what I would describe as very like measured level of excitement where he leans forward quickly and he says, well, go on, tell me more. Well, there are some other, uh, other details worked into this story. So let me start from the beginning. We hear we I was hear... in the fifth grade and started reading The Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. We, uh, we hear that you folk had been having some strange troubles in this town. So we figured that meant work. So we were on our way, we were on our way down here on, on the road just outside and when we run into some trouble. And uh, he goes on to tell the story of, you know, the zombie goats, sure. the, de the dead farmhand, and how they heard some 
we heard so we'd heard some commotion. Uh, right, right, right. You give him the yeah. right the general gist of everything in a very calculated and honest and logical way, minus any extraneous details that are unnecessary. The dwarven way: cut out the juicy parts, get to that bone. Um, and so with that, the captain leans back a little bit, takes a sort of pensive pose, and puts his fingers up to his lips. And he leans forward and puts one elbow down on his desk, showing uh, an arm with, I would say for an older gentleman, pretty rippling muscles. Like he's definitely the captain for a reason. And he leans forward with one pointing finger and he points it over at the, uh, at the old man. And he says, you killed those teenagers? And so with that, he says, they were on my property and they were doing necromantic magics. And he says, I might not be a, ban- be a man of the law, he says, but, but I know what's wrong and what's right. And if I killed them out of protection of my property, then so be it. And maybe, maybe I enjoyed putting some whippersnappers in their place for doing something god awful and doing something so against the light. He says, but if I'm going to be held accountable for this and get treated like some sort of murderer in cold blood, then so be it. Hang me like a dog, if you will. And the captain Anton, kind of sits back again. Anton kind of raises his hand and pulls out both the vial of the red liquid and the black sand that he mentioned. These so were there's, no, there's no red liquid in it. I was just saying that it oh. looked like something might have been in it at some point that stained the cork red. But apart from that, it just smells bad and it's cleaned out. So something might have been in there that was red. Well, I guess I, I produced the empty vial and the sand that I mentioned. This, this type of material was found on the boys, including some candles. We don't know if this possibly had any properties that could create undead creatures. I don't see kids, especially of that young age, being able to come to the point of raising the dead. It's not something that could be simply attained. So with that, the captain leans forward and he looks at these things and he says, all right, confiscate the contraband. And so with that, he looks over at the, uh, the uh, one of the guards that's holding the old man and he kind of nods quickly, scoops it all up and starts to take it away and walk back into the general area. And as the door opens, you can hear the flooding of all the people talking again. And it comes completely to a quiet as the door closes behind him. And he looks back at the old man again and he looks back at every one of you and he says, you have to understand how strange it is for me to see all of your faces in my office at one time at this hour of night with this old man who apparently is killing teenagers. He says, you have to level with me on this to understand that that I'm a little skeptical of everything I'm hearing. He says, sure, you've brought forward some important things. And he looks back at the old man again. He says, and what did they raise from the dead? Goats? And the old man just kind of gives a nod as if his, I don't know, his social standing is being questioned again by somebody else for being a goat farmer or something. You know what I mean? Like a yeoman, a farmer guy. And so with that, he just kind of lets out a little hrumph and the captain sits back a little bit and he says, I meant no offense. The point I'm trying to bring up here is just that I'm not exactly sure why these teenagers would be doing such a thing to such innocent creatures. He says, I I guess it makes sense to do that if they're flirting with these dark magics. Perhaps it is the case that they would do such a thing to a creature that they could control more easily. I don't really know much of what's happening here, but I'm going to send over all of these things all over to Tidlebran, the Wondrous. He's a mage in town, and he'd probably know anything about this stuff if anybody. But apart from that, I'm, I'm not sure what else to tell you or what to tell him. For this evening, Shamik, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to spend the night in jail. And so with that, he gives a look where he recognizes that this was going to happen, but he's still kind of like, I don't know, dwindling on some sense of optimism that maybe he'd get off the hook. But with that, the one guard takes him away. Well, before he takes him away, um, Anton takes off his um, cloak and he hands it over to him. And he said, you mentioned you were cold. Prison is not a comfortable place. Please. Wait, 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 wait. You waited till he's indoors to give him the cloak because he was cold the whole walk over here? (laughs) Well, he didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, but he was me, cold on the walk. I didn't think of that when he, walked, when he was walking. I did think of that. I missed that opportunity. No, that, that's fair, back. Ronnie. That's um, fair, Ronnie. We, well, can say that, we can say that you handed him the cloak without saying anything, and you just did it on the way. Well, and that when he was he going to hand back the cloak, you could say, I think you'll need it more than I will at this point. Does that sound yep. like the Grandpa Anton thing to do? Yeah, Anton and he Claus? mentions, will anything need to be taken care of at your home for the evening? And he says... Bessie's fine for the time being. He says, as he looks over to the captain again, he says, maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get out in time to go take care of her. But if not, 
I'm sure some of the farms next door will notice I'm not around and they'll probably do the right thing and help out. And he looks over at you and he says, blessed be those who follow the light. Blessed be. And so he looks at each and every one of you other three motherfuckers and he just gets walked out of the room. <laughs> like, I, I want to be straight here. He killed three kids, right? <laughs> like, I don't want to hear that blessed be shit from him. <laughs> but anywho, with that, um, Anton, you can have an inspiration point. Um, uh, and so we're only going to allow people to accrue one inspiration point at a time. So burn them when you got them, okay? Um, so at this point, uh, and you can you can spend it after you do a roll. I'm not going to do that whole, you have to roll it before you do the roll thingy. That'll be another house roll. I feel like that's a lot nicer. Kind of an oh shit turns into the oh yeah. But with that, the captain of the watch turns to you guys again after he walks out of the room and he looks at all of you and he says, what prayer I ask, is it the reason you're all here? No doubt it's about the rumors. Perhaps you've heard about the reward presented by the mayor. No reward on my behalf, but I find that taking action to help is, at least in my time, it is something I must come to understand to do. Being passive is great in some things, but if I want to see the world made a better place, I must put action into this. Help all the good. Yes, we heard about the reward. Just one step forward. And so with that, he says, I, I must admit that the mayor is the one who's in charge of that whole process of reward, but I'm sure you'll be able to meet with her at some point in the near future. She's a very busy woman, Miss Vendira, but she she's not un, un, unreachable. But I will ask again, do you have room for the evening? Because I can't have you all staying out at night, especially in such a dangerous time. With so few travelers willing to stay in the area, I'm sure that there will be vacancy at the inn, he says. So I don't think there's any reason you need to worry about that. Do you know your way around town? Do you know where to find the inn, the Green Onion? Does Norhill know if this is earlier, Jack? I mean, you could probably intuit where it is, but hearing the directions from this guy doesn't seem like a bad idea. And so with that, he says... Just as he notices you kind of like in, like figuring out in your head where it would likely be, he takes a moment and he says, the innkeeper's name is Gaiamond Greenstem. And he's a young man, but he's got a good heart. Just tell him that Captain Sherwell told you guys to stay there for the night and said that it was a trustworthy location where you guys wouldn't have any problems. And I'm sure he'll know what that means. And he gives a little bit of a wink and a nod, has his little blue eyes sparkle for a second. And he says, did you have any other questions or anything I can help you with? I know the hour is late and I should probably be off going to my quarters soon. But for turning in this man who apparently did something god awful, I'm sure I owe you at least the information that might help you on your trip. By the way, as far as the reward money goes, you guys heard that it was about 100 gold for finding any real information about the missing teenagers. Um, as far as how many missing teenagers, that's a little bit harder to judge. You know it's not like 30 kids or something like that, but it's definitely not three. Are the teenagers wanted dead or alive? Preferably alive. I would say preferably alive. <laughs> But yeah, so they're offering the 100 gold for every person who brings for the uh, important information. Bodies, that be. Or corpses, I suppose. Teenagers scare the living shit out of me. Fair enough. <laughs> and so with that, so he sits there hanging on the question again and like kind of has the, the floor open for you guys in case you did have any questions to ask. Uh, well, why don't you gather together any information that you have and deliver it us deliver it to us at the end first thing in the morning. What do you think I worked for you? No, I'm just kidding. But he uh he shifts in his chair and he kinda of looks you up and down really quick and he says More more no. down than up. Yeah, more down than a little bit back to eye level. But he he has a moment where he says, I like the cut of your jib. He says, What is your name, dwarf? You can call me Norhill Hammerstone. So with that, he gives a couple nods and he says, I'm sorry to hear about everything that happened with the Dwarvish land, but I'm happy to have dwarves such as yourself bringing good to my land instead. It's the least we exiles can do. 
as we as long as we stand on foreign soil. So with that, he gives a nod and he says, "Anyway, I'll be sure to write up something of report and bring it over to you in the morning." And so with that, he kind of guides you guys out. Was there anything you want to ask before you go? Okay, so the party makes their way uh, through the, now the fog is getting a lot thicker, especially because you're crossing that big river there. Uh, and as you guys are crossing the river and heading over to where the Green Onion Inn and Tavern is, uh, you guys can see that the place, though it's well lit, it does not sound like there's much going on inside. Uh, it's an hour of night where you could picture this being like kind of the, the apex of people being drunk and rowdy and having a good time. And it seems pretty quiet. But as you approach the place called the Green Onion, it's a quaint and attractive little place on a corner. It's not tiny, but it's like kind of, it makes up for a lot of its ground space with a lot of vertical climb. So it definitely seems like a three or three and a half story building. Um, but as you approach it, it's got a couple of corner doors with a big sign out front that's just got a big onion that's been painted green uh, with some green paint looking to be dripping off for added uh, cheeky effect. Um, and so with that, uh, you guys open up the door and walk inside and are hit pretty quickly with the smell of tobacco smoke, uh, which tobacco growing pretty well uh, and hardy in this general area of the uh, of the kingdom. So this is not an unheard of smell by any means, um, but you can smell the stale smell of ale and the smell of like old meats and bread as if dinner was out for a while and the sickly sweet smell of like spiced meats and stuff like that still kind of clings to the air. But as you guys walk in, you can see a bunch of old codgers sitting in their individual spots and kind of milking and nursing the last of their ales and, and whatnot before heading off home. But this place, as far as the ground space goes, it's about probably 35, 40 square here. Um, and you can see that a large bar stretches a big L and there's a couple of tables that adorn the floor by the hearth. Uh, apart from that, another group of a couple of old people sitting over by the bar, but there is what appears to be a very tall and lanky brown haired man probably not a year over the age of 20, 18 or so. He's like, you know what I mean? Young enough that he looks like he's probably a little bit older than those teenagers you saw before, but still very green behind the ears as it were. Uh, and so with that, he, um, he seeing you guys walk in and recognizing immediately that you definitely look like foreigners and definitely not from around this land being a dwarf and orc, a goblin and a human. Uh, he, kind of jumps at the bit on this one and he whips around this little like uh, uh, cleaning towel that he has back there in the air a couple times and noticing that he's kind of flinging like food scraps that he wiped up with it around the bar and noticing a one chunk kind of plunked into somebody's ale he like quickly does like a michael cereal like <gasps> and like rushes over to you guys and he's like hey how, how's it going i hail and welcome welcome to the green onion in and tavern and he says uh, my, my name, my name is, is Graham Gammond Greenstem, and I am owner and proprietor of this tavern, and, and, and in and tavern. So, uh, can, can I interest you in rooms and a meal? Yes, you look um, really quickly, and I'm going to say everybody who's standing close enough to him notices very quickly, he keeps darting his eyes to the floor and anybody who pays close enough attention can see he's got an ink stained and kind of like really smeared looking hand. And it seems that a lot of his uh, stumbling in speech appears to be because he can't read whatever it was that he attempted to write on his hand earlier, uh, which is now very well smudged. And as he looks up at you guys looking at his hand too, he kind of puts his hands on his hips in a very forced pose where he takes like a, like he kind of like bumps a hip out and he's like, can I can I help you this evening? Is this your first day? <laughs> I am owner and proprietor of this inn. Yes. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a bit young. Can I do an insight? Uh, yeah. I mean, when you ask him if it's his first day, he kind of comes out in the clean about any like he kind of turns his head and he says, "Listen, okay, I've owned this place for like three days now, okay." I just, the people who owned it originally said that there was an omen on the tavern and I got it out of steel and I'm trying really hard to make this work. I've never done this before, but I think it's going pretty good. Puts up his big dopey thumbs and he's just like. <laughs> well, it's quite all right. Just relax, boy. Uh, we were told to tell you that uh, Captain Sherwell sent us. And so with that, he gives like a nod and you can see him blush and get a little bit kind of like nerdy. And he's just like. Oh, he's like, that. that's my uncle, and he's a nice guy, but 
Okay. Yeah, I. You can have rooms on the house. I don't need income. Um, Anton so... shakes his head and he gives him four gold. No. Yeah, four gold. All five. No, all five. Gold per person. And so with that, he looks down at it and he says, oh, I th- thank you, sir or madam, for your assistance and patronage in these trying times. And he leans forward and like slips on a little bit of stale ale on the ground and just falls with a thunk and bunks his head on your kneecap. And he just like starts immediately like, and he just quickly leaps up and he says, a bit of a joke. Maybe that'll be a running theme in the green onion. <laughs> and he just runs away with like the biggest look of shock for the shortest amount of time where he's just like <laughs> and just runs off to the back room and you can see the little waggle doors in the back like slam open smack the walls as he does and you guys can see all the old people looking at you guys and some of them are giving some particularly dirty looks to your seven foot tall companion in the room um but with that it does seem like the room's very well aware of you and you're starting to become a lot more aware of everybody in it and so as you guys come walking in, a few of the old people start quickly downing their drinks and f- like cleaning their plates off and just hitting bricks and running away from this place. As if noticing you guys are here is like checking their watches and they're like, oh, we're going to be late. Let's go. Let's go. And as you guys continue to stumble and step farther into the room, where do you think you would sit? Bar? Yeah, Click is going to yeah. just walk, like saddle up to the bar and then pull up onto one of the stools and just immediately put both hands on the thing and just go beer and you can hear from the other room <laughs> okay and you just hear a bunch of glasses fall and shatter and he's like yeah, it's on. and so with that um after about another two minutes or so the rest of the old people in the bar clear out and it is just you guys and that is it and so as you're all sitting here, he comes running out with a platter and like hits the wall a little bit too quick as he's coming around with the platter on his shoulder. It just yoinks it and a whole bunch of buckets of stew just goes flying across the table and just sloshes on the ground and he looks at it on the ground and looks up at you guys and he says, <laughs> Boy, you need some help. It was and the it, test batch. He says, just, just, just slow down, son. You'll be all did right. Did Anton get go through the kitchen? Sure. Anton follows him in as he rushes back in there. Yeah, he'll kind of like take all his like gear off, put it at like the bar, and then kind of wipe his hands. And he's like, just like old times, back at the. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And and just goes into the kitchen and helps him out. So with that, as you uh, head. Yeah, as you head off into the uh, uh, into the back chamber, you can see. You remember that episode of SpongeBob where uh, Mr. Krabs is working in the kitchen because he worked on the SS Diarrhea. Remember that? Yes. Yeah, that's basically what this kitchen looks like right now. And as you start to notice why that food smelled so particularly sickly sweet and everything, you can see pretty clearly that the uh, it's like he tried to take cheap meat that he doesn't know how to cook and just loaded that up with just every spice in the cabinet. And he's done everything he could to make this food come alive. And it looks like it's going to be tolerable, but it definitely feels like a 16-year-old made you his first attempt at a, at a, at a fine meal. So the soup looks fine enough. It looks like it'll do fine. The bread looks salvageable. Everything seems fine enough. And he Can I give him uh, some suggestions or do not? I not have that skill? I mean, you can give him some little pointers and whatnot. We'll say that you do it in a very helpful way where you kind of like recognize that he's, you know, got certain spices that he's putting into early or whatever. So you give sort of gentle nodding assistive, you know, notes. Um, but you both come out with a platter that's very manageably held and bring it back to the bar. Um, and he starts to fasten up some drinks for you guys as you sit down with your meal well past dinner time. And as you guys are sitting here in this empty bar, he looks back at the bar with everybody and he looks farther out into the rest of the tavern and he says, it's a slow night, been a, been a slow few days since I've owned this place. I think this was a bad idea. As he just sits there with an ale that he was pouring for one of you guys and just scoops it back and takes a drink off it, he's like, I think this was a bad idea. Patience. Patience and the light shall help you. you Just just relax, boy. Uh, Panicking in the field is a good way to make mistakes. Just take things slow, one step at a time, and it'll all fall into place. Have you ever considered hiring help? He says, I don't have the money to, and as far as things go, which I probably shouldn't tell you this, but 
I mean, people aren't staying at the inn because it's haunted. I don't think I'd be able uh, to hire any help. Uh, Anton looks for quick and it's like, there's your ghost. Just throws the soup. Ghost! <laughs> I don't see any ghosts. The place seems... Yeah, how how does the how does the inn look? Is it like co- cozy, drafty? I mean, it's it's cozy, it's quaint. Like it, it looks like the kind of thing that if it was crappy, like it'd be hard to tell because everything's already so homey as it is that it's like it's got the charm as if this is somebody's house that's big enough that they just have tons of company over all the time. You know what I mean? So it's not like disheveled or like an awful place, but it definitely seems like there's usually a lot more people here. And now it's just you four, plus him. But with that, he says, yeah, ever since people started saying that there's a ghost haunting this place, I haven't really had much business. And I can't honestly say I've ever encountered a ghost at all, but people say very strange stories about it. And they say that it's only people staying on their first night. So for whatever that's worth. It's a hard, it's a hard reputation to overcome. I don't envy you. Yeah, it's not going too great. Granted, it hasn't been a week yet, but I got a good feeling about tomorrow. So this was something that was around before you started here. You mentioned you got it well-priced. I had a pretty good deal because of this omen. The people who owned it before me, they were really superstitious, but I don't know. They seemed to have taken all the money and they left, and... They gave it to me at quite a good deal, so I, I guess I can't complain too much, but yeah, it had been going on before that, and I just assumed it was people trying to slander the business, you know, maybe try to get them, I don't know, less business or something, you know, how old people are, have nothing better to do in town, so they just ruin businesses with ye old Yelp, um, but apart from that, I, I just figured maybe it was a big hoax, and apparently it's not, so all I can say is I'm sorry in advance if anything happens, but... Well, I think I think we'll be fine. Uh, it can't be any worse than what's already happened tonight. And uh, No Hill sort of gives you know, a hearty, maybe too hard, dwarvish slap to Anton's back. We've got a bona fide servant of the light here with us. Why? Okay, Anthony, I'm going to address this right now. Why the hell are you Sean Connery in this game? I don't know. Who? I like Wait a minute. <laughs> I, you know, if you would be any care, I want Sean Connery with a beard and a little dwarf helmet, bearing like, <laughs> we have a servant of the light. <laughs> yeah, that's just kind of the voice that I settled on. There can only be one. Oh, <laughs> just like the extraordinary, yeah, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but it's just extraordinarily short men. <laughs> All right, so anyway, uh, but with that, he looks over at, at Anton and he says, oh, well, that's why this food was so heavenly and divine. Uh, and he just like leans forward with a dramatic sigh and he starts drinking again. Clica pats him on the back with mage hand. <laughs> He's like, Ugh! and he throws his beer. She catches it's the it ghost! <laughs> catches it with mage hand and brings it to her. And just starts drinking. It. Yeah, just finishes it. Are you the ghost wizard? <laughs> <laughs> but with that, um, he just kind of starts to look down at his beer and he says, well, I'll stoke the fire for a bit more to keep the place warm, but I think it's probably time to start turning in. He says, if there's anything I can do to make your stay easier, he says, there's a community room available if you'd like that. It's a bit cramped. I don't know if it'll fit all four of you. Otherwise, I mean, there's four rooms available if you want to go to the four rooms. I'd rather leave a space available for anyone who may come in late in the evening. Clica's going to go help in the kitchen, clean up. Okay. he looks over at you and he's just like, uh, okay, yeah, that, that would be good. It's a mess. I, I, it's a real dirt. I mean, it's clean for a kitchen, but it's, it's terrible. It is God awful in there. And Kalika goes around the corner and sees it. And you have a moment of like, <laughs> cause it, it looks like the SS poop deck in there. Like it is not a good time. But with that, he turns to everybody else. Goes and to, he, uh, put mending and mage hand a good use to cleaning up the kitchen and repairing the broken glasses and stuff. Scrub, scrub here, scrub, scrub there. Fairy <laughs> goblin mother. <laughs> so, Very good. Jarzak's going to saddle up right in front of him and just, I just want to thank you for this opportunity. I've never been able to challenge a ghost to combat before. And I hope all goes well tonight. 
I hope there's no ghost at all. Ah, and the community room so everyone can see my triumphs. This I hope there's no perfect. ghost at all. No, I shall slay the ghost. I can't stress this enough that if there's a ghost, I hope it's not. Think <laughs> <Lika laughs> also excited about the ghost. <laughs> Just in the other room. <laughs> but with that, okay, so with that, um, uh, with that, Gaiamond goes and helps uh, uh, Klika in the other room, cleaning up all the, all the messies. Um, and with that, Klika cleans with something of like a supernatural speed and technique that almost makes it seem like you've cleaned up more messes than you've made in your life. Um, and as the rest of you guys saddle up and go to the community room, which appears to be on like the second floor, it's just the entire floor. It's like this big sort of bunk beddy kind of room. It's a bit cramped, but for what it's worth, there's enough bunk beds that you could probably fit six to eight people in here. Um, but all four of you guys come in and there seems to be like an opening for the fireplace sort of chimney area where it heats the room pretty toastily. So it's warm enough. It seems comfortable enough. And it doesn't seem like anybody slept in these beds in a long time. Click I have the bottom bunk. And climbs up Jarzik to get to the top bunk. Oh, Jesus Christ. Wait, did you both call top bunks? No, there's, I called bottom. There's... I cannot go on top. I may break it. <laughs> I'm Santa. I'm large. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how, how much does Anton weigh? <laughs> yeah, so, let me take a look. Actually, how much did I made? Um, I made him like a. This is what people come to the podcast for. You say 150? Well, I don't know if like making him like too big would be like impossible to adventure. That how tall that, like, is he? Uh, I never said I was good at math. I mean, this is about distribution of yeah. weight. Yeah. If anybody yeah. should know 150 this. 150 pounds, Norhill weighs more than that. Oh, okay. He's so like does Jarzak. He's what? 5'8"? Five 5'3". Five oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, that, right, that's, that's, yeah. that checks out. Okay. I like how we're all like, that'll do. <laughs> if you had said that. he was like 6'2", I would have been like, that means no, like... No, he would have been like a weird, be terrifying. Like, gangly dude. That'd be yeah. like, that'd be like string bean. Like Slenderman coming through. <laughs> no. So anyway, <laughs> Slenderman, like, hello, children. <laughs> Let me redistribute your bread. Any, anyone have dibs on this floor space over here by the heat? Just starts, no? like, My. spinning in little circles like a dog, and then just... <laughs> But Just anyway, sprawled out. <laughs> and so with that, the uh, four of you guys, I imagine, are ready to head to bed. Uh, what's what's the overall sleeping arrangements? Are you guys all going to be sleeping at the same time, or are you looking to have somebody on watch or something like I'm that? I'm staying up until I face the ghost. Also, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> as you lay on the floor by the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> eyes wide open. Um, I will say another house rule I'm going to start doing too, and this is maybe a little bit complicated, but when the party is sleeping in a comfortable place such as this, that's like not immediately dangerous or something like that, you all get back all health, all abilities and all that stuff as you would normally. But if you're in a dangerous area and trying to rest, then I'm going to say the most you can do is the effects of like a short rest where you can spend the powers and everything like that. You can get long rest abilities back, but you don't get full health back. Okay. So you get spell slots back. Yeah. Okay. So what you're saying is there are no ghosts here because it's safe. I'm not saying that yet. <laughs> Did you take damage? <laughs> then I guess we would never know if you got health Perfect. back. <laughs> so anyway, the ghost comes out with a knife. Um, but the uh, uh, so you're awake, laying by on the floor by the fire and hoping for a ghost. Is everybody else asleep, or is the whole party just slumber partying right now? No, I'm gonna go to bed. I'm counting the I'm boards old. on the ceiling. Clica <laughs> tired herself out jumping from top bunk to top bunk to top bunk to top bunk, just all just going around until she just got tired and passed out. Why do I feel like on she the bottom me, bunk? She almost reminds me of like <laughs> she almost reminds me of like remember Kimmy from the Rugrats? Yeah. Like Chucky's like sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just her, but on monster energy drinks. And like mm. just like tanking around the room, <laughs> the zoomies. Yeah, she's got cat poop zoomies. Yeah. It's like two in the morning. She just took a poop and she's gunning it. <laughs> and then she stops abruptly and looks at you with wide eyes, like. <gasps> I saw the ghost. 
<laughs> and then just immediately passes out. Um. Okay. Uh, but uh, but uh, Norhill's gonna sleep in like cycles where he'll like every hour, maybe hour and a half, he'll wake up for a few minutes and just make sure that everything is good before going back to sleep. Okay. Um, and so with that, uh, a few hours pass by, and it seems like the fire downstairs has gone out enough that it's just embers keeping the place toasty. And Jarzak is kept awake simply by the heat and fury of his goals and aspirations. Um, and Norhill oh. sleeps with one eye open, almost literally, and then takes a turn with the other eye, stays open, and goes to sleep. Um, and as the hours start to dwindle and it hits to the real dead of night, um, Jarzak, can I get a perception check? All of a sudden, just the noise of the seventeen pulled out. Oh, well, there you go. Um, and so with that, you hear something coming from downstairs in the chimney. You hear some sort of like, psst, psst. What do you want? Go to bed. Are you the ghost? He says. I, I didn't mean it. I really didn't. Look, if I could go back and change things, I would. I promise I would. Didn't things mean could what? be different. What? Didn't mean what? Oh, you know. I, I didn't mean to do it. But listen, now that it's done, all I can do is try my best to make it better. But listen, making things better is a lot harder than people think it is. Okay? Why don't you come on up here and we can make things great? <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. I'll be right up. That, okay, I'm sorry. As I even said that, I'm like, that's kind of mildly terrifying. Jarzak's going to ready his axe just keep He's looking just at like, the chimney. Just oh, wait. ghosty! But, yeah, as you, uh, as you get your axe ready and stand over by the chimney, which is far away from the door, you're on, like, the other opposite side of the room here. Um, did you want to be close to the door or the chimney? The chimney. Okay, the entire party is closer to the door than you. Are you okay with this? That's, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that sounds chaotic neutral enough for me. Uh, and so with that, you hear the door, good. the door starts to kind of like creak open a little bit and pushes open and you see absolutely nothing in the doorway. And the door just swings open very quietly and slowly with like a little squeak. And you hear something kind of like whisper across the way. And it's just like, okay. So as I was saying, I didn't really mean to do anything wrong here. And, and, and if I could fix things, I would. I promise I would. Why do you have your ax? So, how are we going to fix things to make it great up here? Put your axe away. Yeah, but how are we going to fix it to make things great? I like breaking stuff. I was going to chop a bed. That's a great time. I don't think that that's a good... Wait a minute. Hold on. Maybe that is a good idea. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Wait. No. Yes. Wait. Yes. Okay. okay. But for real, put away your axe. You're scaring me. Jarzak's going to take it and chop a bed. <laughs> Just hit the bed and just everybody comes yeah. like, Bleh! so everybody wakes up <laughs> abruptly and the door slams shut. And you hear a hurried set of footsteps go rushing down the stairs. Ah, so everybody Jarzak's else is just like, out. they just see Jarzak with his axe out, like just swinging at mosquitoes in the room and just hit a table. Just, boom. Yeah. Did, uh, I did I miss that. the ghost? No, no, Clicka, let's go. I imagine that Norhill like wakes up with a start and pulls like the, his loaded crossbow out from under the bed. It's like, what? Where is it? The danger. So that everybody goes rushing out. Yeah, Anton's like rubbing his eyes, creaking his back. He's just like, what's going on? And so with that, <laughs> as you guys... that excited child thing, just like trying to drag. Uh, Anton out of bed, like, come on, 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 presents, 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 presents. I was just going to say, this is Christmas morning up in here. But with that, the whole gaggle of you guys start rushing out the door and running down the stairs, creaking down in single file as you do. And you reach the bottom, and you guys can see that there's nothing going on downstairs. Nobody, no nothing. And all you see is the little dim red rolls of the uh, of the fire as it's kind of dwindling a little bit. Oh, man, I thought we were about to have an awesome time. I put my axe away. And all of a sudden, you hear a voice come from behind you guys again, and it says, okay, so now that I have your attention, I really wanted to tell you about something that I need to fix right now, okay? I okay, did something are, terribly wrong, okay? What are we fixing? And you hear the voice kind of, like, moving around the room as somebody seems to be walking around, as, it, like, it just moving around the room and talking. And every once in a while, they go quiet for just a second, 
and they kind of like rush backwards where they're coming and just kind of like quick stepping and pacing in a way that seems very frantic and not of a stable state of mind, if I could put it that way. And so with that, he says, but listen, if we're going to make things right, I need you to trust me. Okay. Listen. Okay. The goats. Okay. The goats. I can explain the goats. Okay. Those kids. I, I, I don't think those kids should have done what they did, but listen, those goats, they definitely didn't have that coming. I've never met a bad goat, but I think, I think, I think we're all being deceived. And I think that if you trust me, I think we can reach the truth. What can I do to help? Orcus, Orcus is a lot more forgiving when, when you know him personally. I'm, I'm telling you this for truth. I know this for truth. Insight, please, please. How can I help you? You just need to kill a whole bunch of people for me. Who? Oh, so many people. It's going to be rough. But listen, I know things that nobody 17. knows. 17? <laughs> Ronnie, there's not on? enough here to be able to stably register what they're saying. They are in true belief of everything that they're saying. I just don't know that what they're saying is truly of sound enough mind to be read as anything more than the ramblings and nonsense. Who needs but to go first? There could be truth in here. It's just a very confident thing. He I says, just wish I could tell says, if it was a ghost. I don't think it's, it'd an be it's an invisible voice. Uh, speaking from nowhere, I think it might be a ghost. It could be a wizard. Are you a wizard? He just disappears like, <laughs> well, that solved that mystery, guys. <laughs> and so with that, uh, the voice calls out again. He says, oh, a terrible woman. Her name is Alinia, but it's okay. She can die. She kind of has it coming. But look, if we're going to Why does she have it coming? Look, okay, it's a lot easier to explain if you're okay with things being dead that come back. But I'm not okay with that anymore, okay? I'm past it. It's a phase in my life that I think I'm past. This is me now, okay? I think you should die now and die forever. And especially Olympia, because she, she's a bad person. And I, I want to be a good person. I'm looking for forgiveness. So I may have killed a lot of people in my life. Lots of people. Too many people. But I, I, I think if you give me the chance... I can make things better. Okay? And that's where we're going to end it. Hey, everybody. It's the young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks.